a preacher died and went to heaven. When he showed up at the pearly gates, he noticed that there were a, a long line of people. At the end was a New York cab driver named Joe. And um, he went up to the angel near the pearly gates and said, um, I see that you're giving people rewards for what they've done and you've decorated, you have awarded Joe, the cab driver from New York who, I mean, the guy is as far away from God as you can get and he's all decked out and, and me, I, I, I only have this robe and a small crown, but he's got a huge crown, and his robe glitters. What's, what's the deal? And the angel said, well, up here we award results. When you were the pastor of your church and you were preaching, did your congregation always pay attention when you gave a sermon? And he said, well, not, not really. Um, a lot of them fell asleep, and a lot of them were thinking about other things. And he said, yeah. He said, that's true. But he said, when Joe, the cab driver from New York City, drove, people were crying out to God, and they were remaining awake. And they were asking God to spare their lives. And so he has brought more people to Christ than you ever can think about. So <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good thing. Joe, the cab driver, made it through. What is going on? What is going on? Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read from the passage of Scripture from the prophet Jeremiah. Verses 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful. Another translation says, wicked above all things and beyond cure or desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Who can understand it? We, we can't even understand our own heart. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon uh, Solomon, the, the author of Ecclesiastes, writes in chapter 9, verse 3, says this, This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes us all. The hearts of men, he writes, moreover are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward they join the dead. Let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing and touch on us today. Lord, thank you for your word. It is eternal. And we're asking God that you would take your word and sear it deep into our hearts. We want change. We want understanding, oh God. We want to know what your heart is on this issue of gun violence and mass shootings in our nation. We pray this morning as me, your servant, speaks that you would speak through me, these, this vessel of clay, dust and ashes, and that your word would lodge deep in our heart. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, a month ago, I was driving to the doctor's office, 
and I was going down a street called La Riviera Street. Some of you might know where that's at. Not too far away from my house. And as I got to the four-way stop sign, I noticed that the road in front of me was blocked off by the uh, sheriff's department. I mean, it was all, you know, the yellow tape, everything. It had two, two squad cars blocking both directions. And so I went, oh, good. Good thing I left early because I probably would be late for my doctor's office visit, my appointment. So I took off down the street. I followed some other cars that were going to the detour. And we took a U-turn all around and came out the other side, down the street a little bit. That was blocked off, too. And there was a sheriff that was directing us back to where we came from. <laughs> so bottom line, we finally made it to the other side of the blocked, blocked area. And I was able to make my uh, doctor's appointment fairly uh, reasonably, uh, not too late. And afterwards, I looked at the, at the news, and it said that a lady, uh, a, a single mom, had a gun, had a rifle, and she had actually fired a couple of shots uh, in the neighborhood. There was a bunch of apartments over there, condominiums, and had fired a couple of shots, and the, the, she had kids in the house. And so when that happened, of course, the, the law enforcement was called, and there were cops all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty serious. And as I was driving around trying to find the, a route over to where uh, my the doctor's office was, I kept saying this, what is going on? What's going on? What's happening? It's a favorite expression that many people have when something out of the ordinary or strange or traumatic or horrific happens. What's going on? It kind of gushes out of our mouths sometimes, spontaneously, automatically. Or we could say it later on after the situation occurs and we're thinking about it and we're saying, what's, what's going on? I, I've said it many, many times in my life. What's going on? What's happening? It seems lately, as I watch the evening news, I'm saying it more often. What is going on? These last few weeks and months and years in America have been one scene of violence after another. It's increasingly seems like the frequency of mass shootings occur in America. Now, the FBI definition of a mass shooting is four or more people randomly or specifically targeted and shot and killed. Since 1982, get this, these are statistics from a journalistic publication called Mother Jones, which is an interesting thing. Since 1982 up to the present time, there have been 115 mass shootings in our nation. There has been more than 700 people that have been killed and more than 1,300 people that have been wounded since 1982. And since Dylan Klebold, 17 years old, and Eric Harris, 18 years old, walked into the halls, into the cafeteria of Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado 
on April the 20th, 1999, killing 13 students and wounding 24. Since that time, in 1999, there has been 89 mass shootings. And the thing that probably was the top of the cold-bloodedness and heartless and the epitome of demonic evil in mass shootings came to light on December the 14th, 2012, at an elementary school called Sandy Hook in Newtown, Connecticut. Adam Lanza, a 20-year-old who was a video maniac and kept to himself often, got a hold of an assault weapon, killed his mother, and then walked over to the school and opened the doors to a couple of classrooms and began shooting. 27 students and teachers in all were killed on that horrible, horrible day. It was the seventh and the last mass shooting in the year 2012, and it was the bloodiest. From Maine to Florida, from Florida to California, from California to Washington State, just about everywhere in between, there are mass shootings that have happened. Hawaii has had mass shootings. California leads the list with 19. Florida has, this is since 1982, Florida 11, Texas 9, Colorado 7, and New York 3. I want to read to you a, from a list of the eight ones that stand out in our mind. I'm not trying to be really uh, cloudy and dark here, but I want you to get an idea of what has been taking place these last few years. 2012, the Aurora, Colorado Theater on a Batman midnight movie. 12 killed, 70 wounded. Sandy Hook, 2012, 27 killed, 2 wounded. The Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, 2016, 49 killed, 53 wounded. 2017, the Texas Baptist Church, where a gunman, lone gunman walked in and slaughtered 26 people, 20 wounded. Las Vegas, the Mandalay Hotel, remember that? At a countrywide country uh, uh, music festival, 2017, 58 people killed, 546 wounded. He had a special stock that he put on his weapon and kept firing. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida, 2018, 17 killed, 17 wounded. 2019, the last two uh, shootings we've had, El Paso, Texas at the Walmart, 22 killed, 26 wounded, and Dayton, Ohio, 9 killed and 27 wounded. Recently, a past president had made a statement that violence and mass shootings and killings primarily happen in the United States. Really? Well, let me say that since the guns were invented in the year 1364, where you could propel a bullet of metal out a long tube, there has been mass shootings and killings involved in just about every decade of, uh, of uh, human society. Automatic handguns were invented in 1892, and in the Civil War, Gatling guns were available. You know, those things where you wind up and boom, 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 boom. The Nazis perfected mass shootings 
in the 1930s and 1940s. And recently, within the last couple of decades, mass shootings have happened in the Middle East, in Africa, and in Asia, and in Europe. And in the peaceful country of New Zealand, there has been a mass shooting recently. And most of those are targeting religious institutions and people, especially Christians. I'm going to read to you uh, another uh, bit of statistics that I got from my uh, from the uh, secretary treasurer uh, at our district office every month he writes he said in this article he got the statistics from I don't know where 255 Christians are killed every month around the world probably more than that that's the average 104 are abducted many of those killed 180 Christian women are sexually harassed, raped, forced into marriage. 66 churches are attacked. 160 Christians are detained without trial and in prison. And it's focused primarily on Christians, especially in areas of Muslim uh, domination. It seems as if it's mostly happening in our country because it's so close to home. And the immediate news coverage the same day. I mean, it happens in the morning or afternoon. We hear about it at night or even before. Now, let's get some stuff straight here. As a nation, the vast majority of Americans are good people. You got that? They're good people. They're law-abiding citizens. They're the kind of people that are stop and help somebody on the side of the road. Good Samaritans. They're not violent at all. Gun owners, law-abiding citizens. Even there is a law on the books called the Good Samaritan Law that was established years and years ago to prevent people who stop and help others from being sued by the person they're trying to help. Most Americans have a compassion for the weak and the hurting, those in trouble. That's our nation. We do that. Not only do we do that, but we have a great compassion that has developed over the years, especially after the Vietnam War, for veterans and for first responders and for children. I'd like you to see this particular video that showed up uh, on the, both the CBS News and ABC News recently of a, a Vietnam War vet whose remains were brought home. And, and what a blessing that is. America, you see all the people there, employees that had no idea what was going on until they found out and they stood at attention to honor this Vietnam vet. Americans are good people. But there are always a small percentage of people who are right on the edge of insanity and sanity itself. Right on the edge of righteousness and harmlessness and on the edge of unrighteousness and deadly evil. A number of things can push these people over the edge into violence. Listen carefully. Some of these things are violent TV shows, movies, news broadcast 
showing the mass shootings. The FBI calls them copycats. Internet websites that spew out murderous hatred stuff against other people who don't look like themselves. And by the way, many of these sites are not all white supremacist sites. Many of them are other organizations and other races and other ethnic groups. And then you have the video games that display constant violence and killings. These are some of the ones that you might be familiar with. Mortal Kombat, Bullet Storm, Dark Souls 3, Dead by Daylight, and Sniper Elite. Some of them, many of them are still out there. And I understand recently that Walmart pulled a lot of these off the shelves. And then you have a close friend or acquaintance who's full of hate and destructive ideas. And when they are speaking to this person on the edge, it could light a fire in them, give them an idea to carry through their hatred ideas. And then, of course, there's always the desire for fame, notoriety, and power. When you're walking around, all these weapons on you, there's a feeling of invincibility. So, what is going on? Why do these things happen in our world and in our neighborhoods? I felt very strongly as I was preparing my message to be preached this morning that God was giving me a different direction. He says, Barry, I want you to share this. I want you to let your people know these things that are right on the forefront so that we have a better understanding. Is it the president's fault that these things are happening? Is it his inflammatory rhetoric, tweets, and speeches? Is it Congress's fault for not passing stricter gun control legislation? Is it the strong-armed lobbying of the NRA, the National Rifle Association, that prevents lawmakers from passing stricter gun laws to include universal background checks? By the way, the NRA does notoriously fund campaigns for conservative gun rights legislators. Is it the black market proliferation of assault weapons and frankly any kind of weapon out there on the market that can be easily purchased in one state with less restrictive gun laws carried across the border into another state with more restrictive gun laws? The shooter at Gilroy recently, he bought his stuff in Nevada, crossed the state line into uh, California. By the way, Chicago and Illinois has had some of the most restrictive gun laws in the nation. Yet one, it's one of the most violent cities in the world. In 2016, there were 771 homicides in the city of Chicago. Think about that, 771. In 2017, there were 650 homicides. In 2018, there were 561. Seems like there's a decrease in the, in the city of Chicago, but try encouraging family members who have seen their loved ones as victims of shooting, in dropping these statistic numbers, saying, look, it's going down. Well, so what? You know, my daughter or my son was killed by a drive-by shooting. 
And then, of course, is it the increased proliferation of violent movies, TV, websites, and videos that I mentioned previously? Is that what it is? Where can we go to find a reasonable answer for this horror that takes place in our nation and takes away innocent lives and is becoming more and more daily and weekly and monthly a standard of events in our great nation? These events that cause widespread fear. By the way, did you see recently in the news? A motorcycle in Times Square, New York, was uh, was popping, uh, you know, they was shooting. I don't know what the term is. Yeah, but, yeah, it was backfiring, and people thought it was gunfire, and man, it was, crowds were just taking off and running and running and running. It causes hopelessness, and of course, for the victims' families, overwhelming anguish and sorrow and despair, as well as sleepless nights and super vigilance of law enforcement officials. All of these are just some of the reverberations of what is happening in our world. Where do we go for the answers? We go to God's word, as usual. In your bulletin are the notes. I want you to fill these out because what this will do will help us understand better what's going on. The scripture that I just read recently Jeremiah chapter 17 talks about the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And then Solomon writes that there's evil in the hearts of men, madness. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Jesus is speaking to the religious people in, the, in the Israel at the time that he was there. And he kept telling them, woe unto you. You are outwardly religious, but inwardly your heart is corrupt. Evilness, naturally evil heart of man. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They evil in man's heart. Or, am I evil? Are you evil? The Bible says that everyone has fallen short of God's glory and his heart. And so we are considered evil in God's sight, but when we come to Christ, we give our lives to him, and he starts to reconstruct us and change our hearts. So it's the natural evil in the hearts of men that would cause this. Secondly, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses is rehearsing for the Israelites at the end of their 40-year sojourn in the wilderness He's telling them as they, before they go into the promised land in Deuteronomy uh, that, that these are the things that they can expect. And he begins to list in chapter 27, verses 11 through 26, he begins to list a number of things that the Israelites can be and have been disobedient in. For example, taking advantage of the poor, disrespect for authority, sexual immorality, murder, and greed. All these things are listed as, as disobedient kinds of things. And Moses is saying, beware, do not do these things. And then in the very next chapter, he starts off with, if you fully obey the Lord your God, verse 1, and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. 
on earth. And all these blessings will come upon you. And so God, through Moses, is saying, look, if you are obedient to the law of God, you will be blessed. So you'll have victory over your enemies. You'll have abundant crops. You'll have abundant rain. You'll have health in your families. You'll have peace around you. Your enemies will not be able to overcome you. When the Israelites began to disobey God, things began to happen in the negative realm. The rest of, of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, from verse 15 through 68, focuses in on the curses for disobedience. Enemies will overrun them. Their crops and the, and the rain will be erratic. They won't know if they'll have a good year or a bad year. There'll be sicknesses and there'll be discord, not only in families, but in communities, in nations. And so what is happening here is that a nation has rejected God, the rejection of God by a nation. It's not just individuals, it's a national, it's a national rejection of God. And this is what is happening in America today. America is rejecting God in the schools, in the classrooms, in the courts, in every sphere of, 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 uh, of society and culture, in the arts and the humanities. Everywhere you look, people are more and more drifting away from God. And if you stand up and be a Christian, you are marginalized. You're pushed to the side as we don't want to hear what you have to say. The rejection of God by a nation. It's really sad. But when a nation like Israel rejected God and began to disobey God's word, guess what happened? God stepped back and allowed Israel's enemies to come pouring in. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what's happening today. We might not have a North Korea breathing down our neck or a China or a Russia because we have a strong military so far. But God can step back and allow spiritual enemies into our nation and cause all kinds of turmoil and all kinds of things that we don't want to be involved in. And it's happening. It's causing this kinds of stuff. When we turn from God, when they took prayer out of the schools, and they took God, the Ten Commandments, out of the courtrooms and out of the other areas, that's when things began to slowly wind down. And now you have the proliferation, the uprising of so much that is ungodly in our nation. Thirdly, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this. We also know that the law is made not for good men, but for lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers. The law is made to control and punish evil. That's why, that's the main reason for laws, is so that we can control our evil impulses and nature. And that's one of the main functions why God appointed governments and government leaders those in authority to make sure that the weak were not preyed on and were oppressed by those who had power. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Listen to this list, please. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, cold, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous and rash and conceited. Even now, as I speak, people are hatching plots to perpetrate their violence on society. Innocent people who go about their lives, who knows if they'll make it home at night because of the things that are being birthed in the hearts of people who have fallen over the edge into insanity. So the third point is lawlessness and rebellion. I can tell you, almost every night on the news, we see something happening where young people and middle-aged people and even elderly are rebelling against the police. The police ask them to get out of the car. No, I'm not getting out of the car. Get, you know, I mean, it, the police put their lives on the line every day. Not that every police officer is pure and holy and righteous. There are some bad apples. But for the most part, police officers have a job to do. And when they ask a person to do something and that person sticks their tongue or their chin up and says, no, I'm not going to do it, then you have a problem. It's rebellion against authority. And that is also a major factor in what is going on. Lawlessness and rebellion. Matter of fact, the Bible says the Antichrist, the man of sin, is called the lawless one in other parts of Scripture. Lawlessness. And number four, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, says this. For the love of money is a root, a root, not the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many goods. What am I saying here is that greed is a factor as well. Pastor, how can that be? Well, think about it. You have all kinds of unlicensed firearms out there. Somebody needs a firearm to blow away his gang rival. Then they go on the Internet or they go over to somebody who can, who can get the money, who can get the firearm for them, and they pay money for it. It's all a transaction of money. There's also campaign money from organizations to buy lawmakers to avoid doing the right thing. Money, the greed for money, is also a factor. Not a major one, but a factor in what we're looking at. So these things, the evil heart of man, the rejection of God by a nation, lawlessness and rebellion and greed are four big parts of this whole picture that promotes violence and mass shootings in our nation. Now, I want to end with what we can do. What can we do as people living in this nation? What can we do in this climate of what is going on? There are five things. I'm going to sit, go through them very quickly. Number one, individual repentance 
and humility before God. We have to start at home with ourselves. We have to get before God and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need your help. Please come and change me. Change the way I think. Change the way I act. Change the way I speak to other people. Please, oh God, change me. Humble yourself before God. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent and turn to God that your sins may be blotted out. And, listen to this, times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We may not be able to change what's going on around us, but we can be an island of change ourselves when we repent before God and humble ourselves before him. And then Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So it's an individual thing. First, make sure that you're right with God. Secondly, pray, 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 pray. I am so grateful for my brother Lewis, who comes here 8 o'clock every Sunday morning, goes in the back and prays for an hour for our service, for our church. I invite uh, all of you to come and to join him in prayer. You, can, you don't have to go in the back. You can pray right here. Uh, I'm, I'm opening. I'm giving you an invitation for, you, for people to come to our church before the service starts at 10 o'clock to come and to kneel and to pray and to ask God to touch our services and to touch this community and bring people into our doors to hear the word of God. Pray and ask Jehovah Nisai, the Lord, our banner, for protection. Pray for protection. Protection for you and your family and your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors and your community. Pray, God, protect us, please. Put a shield around us. I do that. My wife and I do that every evening before we go to bed. We, we pray. We pray for favor in God's eyes and we pray for protection for us and our family, and for us as a church family, protection. Ask God to remove the fear from your heart. This kind of fear, because we, we, we might be a victim, is overwhelming, and it really does not reflect the Christian life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, perfect love cast out fear. The Bible says in Psalms, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, let God's love fill you each morning when you get up. Just fill your cup and know that you're in his hands and that he loves you. And then ask God for the peace of Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you, the peace of Jesus. Pray for these things, for protection, for fear to be removed, and for the peace of Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Thirdly, practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Never know when your last moment on earth will be. I, I'm praying that nothing bad will happen to anybody in this church, anybody in this sanctuary, that will all be protected. But I can't guarantee that. I'm a human being like the rest of you. I have no idea if my wife and I will make it home after service today or where we go in Dixon or what we do. 
we, this could be our last day on earth. You have no idea. Consciously remember that God is right there with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. God is with you. Practice his presence. It's okay to talk to him. People aren't going to think you're crazy. Not in this sanctuary. They won't. If you start talking to them, that's fine. Fourth, be always vigilant. Now, this is something that I'm adding to our steps to do. In other words, when you go down to Walmart or wherever you go, look for safe places to go in case of an emergency. Are you, are you hearing me? You go into Walmart, look for a safe place to go. My wife was told, telling me the other day, she said, when I go to the Walmart in Dixon, I look for the back, in the back area by the dairy products. There's a door that leads to the, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but you, you never know when you're going to be put into a situation where you've got to think fast. So plan ahead. That's the way our society is going, by the way. When you go out into the public, you never know what's going to happen. Some nutcase is going to be out there with an AR-15. Look for safe places to go. Be vigilant. Be vigilant of the people around you. And if you see something that looks out of place, get on your phone and call 911 and say, look, I, I'm, I'm, there's a suspect here that it doesn't look good. It's okay to do that. Better safe than sorry. And then, number five, live your life boldly for Christ in word and in deed. Live your life boldly for Christ in word and deed. Look, when we get to heaven, you're not going to be awarded for how much money you have in the bank or what kind of success that you've had at work or your longevity in work or your, your, your faithfulness to the church, although that's, that's a nice thing to have. You will be rewarded for how bold you are for Jesus. That's a major part of the rewards that God's going to give you. Have you stood up for Christ in the public arena, not just in your home, but in the public arena? Have you stood up for Jesus Christ? And you don't have to... Uh, you know, say, wait, I want everybody to listen to what I have to say. No, but when the conversation comes up, you can be a, a, an advocate for Christ. And don't be timid. Don't be shy. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. He saved me from a life of terror and horror. And God has redone me. He's renovated me. He's restored me. And, on my, and I am on my way to a glorious future. It's okay to be bold, to be to be in love with Jesus in word and in deed. I look for opportunities to do that. And that's not because I'm a rev. That means that God is, will give us opportunities to stand up for Jesus. And folks, listen to me. This kind of culture that we live in and the day-to-day, week-to-week scenes of mass horror on the TV, I guarantee you, people are listening. People's ears are opening. What's going on? We have the answer. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. What's going on? I've given you some really salient, hard, truthful points about the character and about the, the situation, why things are happening. And now what we, what we can do, we can be a voice for Jesus Christ in our land. Be a voice in your family. Be a voice wherever God leads you. If you volunteer somewhere, 
stand up for Jesus. You don't have to stand on, on the desk somewhere and go, hey, kids, listen to me. I got, a, I got something I wanted to know. But you understand, you're making a point. God, is, well, God will give you the opportunity to share. Take it and don't let it go, go past you. You got it? I hope this has helped a little bit. I hope this has kind of given you some, some things to grab onto and realize that, yes, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, probably, until the day we're called home. So, but be aware. Be vigilant. Be in prayer. Be on your knees. Ask God to change your heart and to do what is right and good. Humble yourself before him. I'd like us to get into groups to real quickly, and I'll lead you in prayer, but get together in groups if you wouldn't mind. Just sit right, right next to each other. Uh, those of you that are kind of isolated over here, if you could pop into a group or so, that, that would be great. And let, let's, let's finish off with prayer. Pray for one another. Let me give you just a few moments to, to pray for one another. You can do that as a family. There's a couple of, you know, does, uh, there's a couple of uh, natural groups that we can go into. And God... Uh, God will God will help you. Just pray for one another first of all, and then I'll I'll give you about a minute or so, and then I'll close off uh, in the prayer that God God wants us to have. So pray for one another, pray for safety, pray for protection, pray for God to touch you.